Hello, everyone, and welcome to Lockdown Guardians. We have a special guest today. This is your chance to find out about one of the most interesting left-handed pitchers in the Cleveland Guardian system. Join us as we get to know Tim Heron on today's episode of Lockdown Guardians. You are Locked On Guardians, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Lockdown Guardians. I'm one of your two co-hosts, Jeff Ellis. Uh, like I said, it's a special show. It's always a cool thing when you get to talk to a player in the system, a player that you might see in Cleveland this year. Uh, you know, as I mentioned at the top, we have Tim Heron joining us. Uh, I want to thank you for making Lockdown Guardians your first listen today and every day, wherever you get podcasts. And since we have a special uh, guest, we're going to skip the intros and just first say thank you for joining us. It's a, it's a real honor to have you on the show. And uh, Justin, why don't you lead off? I'm Justin Ladd, the other coast. Tim, thanks for joining us. Uh, first of all, just congratulations on being named to the 40-man roster this this past offseason. Uh, just kind of take us through how you felt when you got that phone call and, and kind of your reaction in the moment. Yeah, first of all, thank, thanks for having me on, guys. It's cool to get on here. So, um, But, yeah, the, the day I got the phone call that I got put on the 40-man was obviously a really special call, something I was hoping to get. I knew um, – that that day was the deadline to protect guys from the rule five draft. And um, so I was just kind of going through the day. Um, I was actually at work when I got the phone call um, and it was after the deadline, I guess the official deadline had ended. So I didn't really know what that meant for me or if I was going to get the call or not. Um, but then when I got that call, I got a text asking if I could um, hop on a phone call and um they called me, just told me, like, congrats. Like, we've seen um, all the hard work you put in over the years. And um, obviously, your performance is showing um, all that hard work. And um, congrats, you're on the 40 man. And um, again, that, just hearing those words was pretty exciting, knowing that I'm one step closer to my goal, which is playing in the major leagues. So it's uh, such a talented group of relievers down there. Uh, and I think anyone who didn't realize that after the Rule 5 draft, after your addition uh, to the roster, what was it kind of like this year? I know you pitched across two levels, but, um, you know, obviously Kevin Kelly and Nick Enright are getting opportunities, which is fantastic for them. I'm always for anyone getting an opportunity. But I, there's so many players who are, you know, extremely talented. It seemed like every pitcher in the bullpen at those levels was, was somebody interesting. What was it like to to pitch with that group? Is there anything that you like gained or picked up pitching with some of those guys this year? Yeah. I mean, it was a lot of fun, obviously um, starting in double a with guys like uh, Kelly and Enright and Mizzy Ozick, And then all of us kind of moving up to triple a around the same time. Um, and then that triple a uh, bullpen was obviously sacked with a lot more guys. Um, I think what I got most out of it um Obviously, it's a competitive bullpen, and everyone's trying to do their best, obviously, hopefully make a roster um, and move up to that next level. But um, I think just being around guys at such a high level and just talking about how they approach the game and how they go about, um, whether it's their routines or just in-game mindsets, stuff like that, um, I think it was good for me to talk with all of them and kind of see what they do and maybe I could add some things here and there just like 
more on the mental side of the game. Um, and then, it, yeah, so I think just being around a group of not only great competitors, but they were great teammates too. So I think that helps a lot. You had no problem, you know, missing bats at either level this year and when you got the AAA, but you had sort of an adjustment period when you got there. Um, what 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 is kind of the difference? I'm sure a lot of people are curious between AA and AAA because in the past people might say, you know, you can just skip up AA and go to the majors because there's, you know, maybe less of a gap, but it seems like there's more of a gap between the major leagues and AAA now. So what's the difference? And I'm also curious if you can answer this. Is there, was there a difference, noticeable difference in the baseball too from AA to AAA? Um, yeah, I would say, so I think the baseball, um, it was a little different. I think it took me about a week to kind of get used to it to where I didn't realize it definitely slicker, a little bit slicker than, um, like the ball we used in AA, but I wouldn't say it was significantly. I think it was more just kind of, once I got used to it, I didn't really notice it as much, which was a good thing, obviously. Um, but yeah, um, the biggest adjustment I noticed when I first got up to AAA from AA was just kind of um, the hitters' approaches at the plates um, were a lot more advanced. Um, they took a lot closer pitches that usually you get a swing and miss on. Um, and I mean, when you get to AAA, you're, you're facing guys that a lot of guys have been up and down in the major leagues. Um, some guys have been in the major leagues for a couple years. Um, so really just, I think, adjusting my approach to how I'm pitching hitters and how I'm using my stuff um, was something I needed to get used to. Whereas in AA, I felt like I could get away a little bit more with just throwing whatever because it was kind of, I felt it was good enough to get any batter out in any situation. And I think in AAA, the hitters are, they're obviously the next level, they're going to be a slightly better. Um, and I think myself is still good enough to play, but um, just being able to use it kind of in the right situation. So this is kind of maybe just a random bit of trivia, but uh, you have the potential, obviously the draft has changed. You were a 29th round pick. Um, uh, I did a show a few weeks ago with the history of that round. The Guardians have never had a single player play for them from the 29th round. So if you get to the big leagues, you will be the only 29th rounder to ever play uh, an inning with the Guardians. This is wow. all set up to be like, uh, yeah, the there were two players they traded, uh, and then none of, no one else made it who they actually signed. Uh, you, you were the second to last 29th round pick. Can you describe when you're sitting there like what convinces you when you're a player kind of on day three in that situation not everyone signs some decide to go back what convinced you to come to cleveland in the end um well first of all yeah, i didn't even know that was i didn't know they never had a 29th rounder in the, the major league that's interesting but yeah. um yeah uh getting to day three on draft night back in 2018 um it was kind of a little bit of uncertainty. Um, I didn't know if at that point, once we got past like the early twenties, I was just like texting back and forth with my advisor at the time. Um, and just kind of trying to figure out what was best for me and uh, moving forward. And then he called me and told me that the, the guardians wanted to select me and that everything kind of lined up right just with the numbers and everything. And I just asked him, I was like, it's just like, I know 29th round, it's pretty late. I don't know um, if there's a lot of value there um, to an org at that round. Um, but knowing 
my advisor, knowing the Guardians organization, knowing how well he developed pitchers, he thought it was a really good situation for me personally. Um, so it kind of worked out to where I decided to not go back my senior year and, you know, just uh, go to pro ball. And obviously the Guardians, they produce pitchers for years and years. And I felt like they've helped me obviously get to where I am now. Um, and they were a big part of that. No, that's, it's great. It's always interesting to hear because the, you have an, you have a story that we can't hear anymore, right? Like that's yeah, around. Yeah, where, it's not around uh, anymore. And, but it's like, obviously at the same time, you know, having talked with agents and then your story itself shows there's still talent to be found. There's still, uh, you know, you have definitely been in uh, not just a, you know, a success story, but like you're going to right now you're on the cusp of the big leagues. It's a fantastic um, story for that range. We are going to take our quick first little break here and we're going to come back. I know people are like, you haven't asked about pitch mix. That is what people always want to know who are not as familiar. Uh, and then just, you know, the, your kind of ascent through the minors um, is been a, a thing people have asked us to talk about at points. So we're going to get into all of that. I promise. But first I have to take a moment here and discuss one of our fantastic sponsors on today's show. And listen, if you are a longtime listener to the show, if I say it's my favorite sponsor, then you know, that means it's built bar. And why do I love Built Bar? Well, honestly, they sent me a trial and uh, I loved it. And three years later, I'm now spending my own money from this show to go get more Built Bars. And tis the season for holiday Built Bar. Cookie dough topper, coconut brownie bar, and coconut brownie topper. They also have white chocolate peppermint granola. And the best part, 100% real chocolate, 17 grams of protein, shockingly low sugar and calories. 130 calories per bar. Just sink your teeth in that first bite and you will change your life forever. Again, this is a product that I not only talk about on the show, but buy and use myself. Head to BuiltBar.com today. Use the promo code LOCKED15 to check them out for yourself and save 15%. That's BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKED15. So everybody's going to want to talk about, I think, I don't want to say you had a breakout this year. You kind of did because your numbers were still good last season. But I remember watching you in Lake County last season and, you were throwing, I don't know what, 93, 95, hitting 97. And this year you get to Akron and you're throwing, you know, 95, 97, you're hitting 99 pretty regularly. So um, what, what kind of change? Did you just kind of stick with the plan and you, you just saw some progression or did you make any changes to like your training or routines that, that helped you kind of make that jump? Um, so I think the biggest thing going into this most recent year, I kind of stick, stuck to the routine. I think going into 2021, um, I did make a pretty significant VLO jump that year too, compared to the, the previous season we had. Um, but I think going into 2021, I kind of found something in my delivery mechanic wise, um, that kind of clicked for me. Um, I kind of have like a longer funky delivery, but I found a way to get everything to sync up how I wanted it to sync up. And I think that kind of led to, um, that first initial VLO jump last year. Um, and then going into this past year I kind of stick the routine I have a really good place I train out here in Indianapolis um, and um, I kind of in talking with the Guardians and also working with my place here we kind of came up with a plan kind of mechanically stick to what you're doing um, but um, just try to I guess fine-tune some things here and there um, and I think just sticking to that routine and then going into last year I was just in a really good place physically I was stronger 
um, I had a better feel for my delivery. And I think that's what led to this bigger jump this most recent season and also holding that velo throughout the season. That makes sense now because I think I remember seeing one of your videos on Twitter. It might have been like during the COVID shutdown. I think wherever you were training tweeted a video and your numbers like that were coming off of whatever you guys were using to track the numbers were like Mm -hmm. a big jump from where you were, I think, previously in that season. So that makes sense now. Uh, Like I said, uh, one of those things we, you know, it's probably boring for pitcher to discuss because it's it's straightforward. But for fans who haven't had a chance to see you, like what would they see from you on the mound? Were you typically going out there and using, um, you know, pitch mix wise? What are you throwing? Yeah, um, so I have a, a four-seam fastball, a cutter, a slider, and um, a sinker. Um, but I would say probably m- most of my pitches will either be cutter, fastball, or slider. Um, I This year, I kind of – the cutter was new going into 2021, so I didn't throw it a whole lot. Um, and then going into this year, it kind of – towards the middle to back end of the season was almost my go-to pitch probably 40% of the time. It became almost a setup pitch for me instead of the fastball setting up my off speed. It was almost the cutters that in between fastball slider for me. So I would, I felt like I would attack hitters with my cutter and then depending on how they would react or swing, um, I could go slower with a slider with more depth or, uh, fastball at 97 up in the zone. Um, the cutter kind of, I had a really good feel for it, just getting it in the zone, locating where I wanted it to be. Um, and I think, I don't know if people really like noticed it, but that was like almost 40% of the time I was probably throwing that. So, How have you liked the transition to the bullpen? Because obviously you were started in Indiana. What have you had to change mentally or with your, your pitch mix or anything, but how have you kind of liked that transition to, to life in the bullpen? Um, I, I like it. Um, in college, I, I did a little bit of both, so it wasn't completely new to me um, coming into pro ball, being a reliever, but I like the, it's almost like a rush when I, coming out of the bullpen, um, knowing you're either going to come in and get, you could come in for two outs or you could come in for, two plus innings. It kind of just depends on the situation, what they need you for. But I kind of like that idea of coming into a game and kind of, um, I guess, holding holding a lead or even kind of stopping a big inning for the other team. It's kind of a big momentum shift one way or the other. Um, and it's, it's, it's very valuable for the team. And I just want to go out there and whatever situation I get put in, I'm going to do what I can to help us win a ball game. So... I, uh, I'm going to steal a question. Oh, I'm sorry. Huh? Go ahead, Jeff. You're good. No. <laughs> I'm going to steal a question that was actually uh, one Justin had come up with. Uh, we were discussing before the show, uh, you know, you were a three-sport three athlete back in high school. A, like mm-hmm. I said, credit to Justin for knowing you were a quarterback and uh, an all-state quarterback. What made you decide to focus on baseball um, in general as your sport? Um, It took... I don't think I decided that baseball was going to be my sport until I went into my senior year of high school. I, most of high school, I was intending on playing college football. That was kind of my, my goal at first. Um, I came from a football family. My dad played football in college. I have two brothers that play football in college right now. Um, just a big football family, but um, 
I've always had a love for baseball and it wasn't that I loved football more than baseball. I just kind of always envisioned um, my future being in football. And then um, in high school, I hit a, little, I hit a growth spurt. Um, I was a left-handed pitcher. Obviously that's a big deal for um, colleges trying to recruit people. Um, I kind of just saw a, a bigger future in baseball. So I kind of made that transition to um, focusing on baseball my junior summer. Um, I went to some showcases and tournaments in like Georgia and stuff like that, trying to get recruited more. Cause I was kind of on the later side, I guess, cause I feel like in baseball, it's a sport that gets recruited super early. Um, so I was kind of late to the party on, in that sense. Um, I didn't really get any recruiting letters till I was going into my senior year of high school for baseball. But um, when I made that, switch my mind. That's kind of what I was focusing on at that point. And um, it's clearly it's worked out for me. So I think I made the right decision there. Yeah, I would yeah, say for- so. Did, did you have any <laughs> offers for football? I mean, you obviously were really good. You were all state. You guys won some championships. Did you have offers to uh, play to quarterback in any school? Yeah, I had a, I had a few. Um, no, I had Indiana State was one of my final uh, three schools. I was going to do football and baseball there. Um, and then I talked with a few, a few like um, FBS schools for like walking on, like IU before baseball recruited me, talked to me about walking on. Um, I talked, I was in deep talks like Ball State, like schools like that. For Zach, please Zach one. He was, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. pitcher there, yeah. Two way guy there. I, I, I remember I didn't get to see him pitch. I saw him at the outfield like twice. I kept missing his starts. Um, <laughs> uh, and for fans who don't know, I feel like for college baseball, some players start like committing freshmen, freshman yeah. year of high school, right? It's like yeah. it, it's maybe the earliest commit of any uh, sport. Yeah. So that's which, why uh, I was in like a, yeah, I was in kind of a limbo because, like I said, I thought I was going to do football. And when I made that change in my head that I'd, I'd want to do baseball, um, I was kind of, like I said, late. Um, I know a lot, I knew a lot of people just in the area. Um, had already committed that we're going division one or places I wanted to go were already committed. So I didn't know how that would work out for me if there were going to be scholarships left at schools that I possibly wanted to go to because they only get 11.7 in baseball. So that also makes it difficult when you're a later um, recruit per se. So, but it worked out. So yeah, it's like you made the right choice. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Uh, being in Indiana, like what was your team growing up and who were your guys? Um, in baseball? Yeah. yeah. In baseball, I actually grew up a Tigers fan, believe it or okay. not. I was a big uh, Verlander, um, Miguel Makes Cabrera, uh, Pudge Rodriguez, those guys. Um, so I, I grew up a Tigers fan, but... <laughs> So will that be fun to pitch in that stadium in the future and face? It, it that would be. It would be cool just because um, I've actually I've never been to a Tigers game, but it'd be cool to to pitch in there just knowing that like that was kind of my team growing up, and it'll be the show I would play. I would always be the Tigers, stuff like that. But I'm definitely going to root for you to get up this year, so you could maybe face uh, Miguel Cabrera, right, for the <laughs> yeah, final year. Yeah, that, that would be quite. That would be crazy. That'd be awesome. That would be. Uh, that'd be something to see. I. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to have us take our next break here. I know fans are of the show are probably like, come on, but uh, we'll, we'll take this break. We'll come back and uh, do a few more questions. We don't want to take too much of Tim's time. It was very nice of him to agree to join us today. Uh, but first one more sponsor break here. 
Uh, and this one is from the NHTSA. Uh, this is the uh, dramatic read. Everyone ready? You're hanging out with some friends, putting back a few. A few becomes too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you're thinking of calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. You can make it home, okay? It's no big deal. What are the odds you get pulled over? And even so, what's the worst could happen? Your insurance goes up. You lose your license. You lose your job. You total your car. You kill someone. Everyone knows the risks of driving drunk. The results are traffic. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our road to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead. Get a ride. It only takes a minute to change your life or someone else's. Drive sober or get pulled over. It's people who are listening, let's just be smart adults. That's all. That's all I'm asking. Be smart. Be responsible. Uh, and we're back. Uh, listen, I love all of our sponsors, but it's always a bit awkward after that one. Um, <laughs> uh, so, you know, I wanted to ask you about Indiana baseball because in the past, like, I think the right before your era was, uh, Sean Schwarber. And for a long time, I was looking at the baseball reference page. Mickey Morandini was the most successful Hoosier. Uh, there was a really nice run in your time, uh, Jonathan, I'm going to say, I, I butcher all names, so I'm just going to apologize with, uh, you know, Stiver. Yeah, Stever. Yeah. Stever was, uh, he was like a fifth round pick. And I think he might have yeah. been the big Ted pitcher of the year. Um, mm. Was it uh, Berenger? Baron, uh, Berger, yeah. Berger with, uh, uh, yeah, with the Giants. Hurt, right, was also part of that. Was, uh, I want to say, I saw when I was looking at, but, uh, and, and Efros, Efros, yeah. right before you guys. Uh, what was that like? I mean, even for like strong programs, like even you, you talk about like SEC programs, it's kind of unusual to have four or five guys who make the big leagues, uh, in that staff. What was that kind of like? Um, you know, especially just like I said, it's not something yeah. we see a lot in the big 10, um, yeah. in general, but for a lot of teams, they don't have that much pitching talent. Yeah, no, I mean, it was, uh, really, really good. Um, trying Going to Indiana, when I got there my freshman year, we, um, we our upperclassmen were really, really good. They were really established. Um, a lot of the seniors were on the uh, Omaha team, that the only Indiana team that made it to Omaha in 2013, I believe. Um, but they uh, they were good. Um, like Tyler Hart, you said, Kale Barrier, they were there. Um, both those guys made debuts. Um, and then Stever, he was obviously, um, he was our Friday guy. He was obviously really, really good. And seeing him debut, I think it was the COVID year, um, is really just awesome to see. And like you said, it's kind of rare to be on one college program where you have four or five different guys that are in the big leagues at different parts in time, but on the same team in college. Um, it's one thing if they were all there at different times, but to all be there at the same time is really cool. It's just, like I said, it, it stands out as such an unusual thing. And again, I just, I know a lot of our fans sometimes don't know the college game as well, but that's, it, it's, it's a rare thing. So it was just kind of mm -hmm. interesting to look and see that. Yeah. Well, and then Cleveland went ahead and took Jack left, which and Tommy Mace on the draft and they both pitched together last year. So yeah. We're good at finding, <laughs> good at finding yeah. college pitching. Yeah. I would say Cleveland must've really liked you too. Cause we always joke that Cleveland's got a, a type a profile of co college pitching they like and i would say probably if you look at the numbers like 
you don't fit the typical profile of what they normally yeah. go after. So clearly they must have saw something in you they really liked. Like, And obviously, like you said, you talked to your advisor and he said that how good at Cleveland is yeah. at developing pitching. And I don't want to say it happened like relatively quickly, but you know, you only were one year off of the mark in terms of the rule five. Like you would have, you were eligible what last year, I think. Yeah. And then um, if you even, if you discount 2020, not being able to pitch that year, you know, you, you made it out of the, onto the 40 man roster literally in the, in the exact amount of time yeah. that you would have normally. That's, that's pretty yeah. impressive. Yeah, so. no, it's, it's crazy. Just, um, how far just looking back like like you said i wasn't like a prototypical pitcher that we usually draft um but it just i'm happy they saw something in me and um i feel like i couldn't have gone to a better situation i think i don't think i am where i am right now or at least not as quickly um if it's a different org i just think they the way they develop the way they care about guys um like I said, I was like you talked, we talked about earlier. I was a 29th round pick. They didn't, they spent a lot of time on me uh, specifically individually. And like, I feel like not a lot of work would do that with a guy such a late round. I feel like usually it's kind of a figure out on your own kind of thing. Like we'll give you a little tips here and there, but I felt like I've went into the perfect situation. Yeah. And now next year, you know, I don't want to get too far ahead of everything, but obviously they won the division last year. I'm sure you got the chance to watch plenty of the playoff games mm-hmm. and there should be, you know, it's, it's only December. We'll see what happens, but there should be an open bullpen spot and they only got Sam Henches out there as the only lefty. So, I mean, yeah. looking ahead, you know, by this time next year, you might be in a bullpen uh, pitching for, you know, in, in another playoff situation. Are you, are yeah. you ready for that? Yeah, no, I, I'm embracing that. I'm excited about that opportunity because I think like you said we were in the playoffs this year I got to watch that it was cool to see um, some guys I even played with this year in Columbus that were playing in the playoffs like Will Brennan um, um, but yeah I, I'm embracing it I'm going into spring training with the mindset that I'm playing for for a bullpen spot going into the season so um, that's how I'm kind of approaching it and um, yeah I'm excited I'm excited for that chance because I think there's a chance for it to be a very special special year in Cleveland. Is it exciting as a player to sit back and see them add like a Josh Bell or a Mike Zanino, guys like that who um, could potentially elevate this lineup? Yeah, no, it's yeah, those those signings I feel like were pretty big. Um, and yeah, adding Josh Bell and Zanino, um, both some power guys in the lineup. Uh, Zanino was an all star not that long ago, so. Um, it's pretty pretty exciting to see them get added to the roster and also knowing you still have the Jose Ramirez's and all those other guys in the lineup as well. Um, something I'm excited to be a part of if I get that opportunity. A question I always like to ask um, is, you know, in your time through the minors, do are there any particular hitters that have stood out as difficult to face or ones that you, uh, not necessarily like ones that maybe got to you, but just, you know, even if it's someone on your own team or in another team that just for whatever reason were a little more difficult or stood out? Yeah. Um, I would say um, a guy this year, I only, I think I only faced him twice in Columbus, but um, he's a lefty for the Cubs, Matt Mervis, I think his name is. Um, just the way it wasn't just, 
it was hard. I felt like his approach to lefties was really, really good. But I think just throughout that whole week, I was really impressed about just how well he hit everybody and all his out for hard hits. Um, he was just a guy. Obviously, he's a pretty big prospect for the Cubs now, but he's a guy. Uh, he was he was tough to pitch to. Um, I think he took me deep once, but um, yeah, he was really good. I was impressed by him. The lefty on lefty crime. That's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you mentioned Miguel Cabrera earlier about wanting to face him. Is that is that the guy when you make it when you make it to the majors? Let's, let's say it's this year. Let's hope it's this year for all of us. But um, is that the guy you want to face the most? Is there somebody else you maybe maybe you want to face him the least? Or is there any guy you can uh, think of, or maybe it's the same person? I mean, I, I would love to face Miguel Cabrera. Obviously, I grew up, like I said, being a Tigers fan. He was he was one of my favorite players growing up. So that would obviously be be great to pitch to him. I mean, there's so many great guys in the MLB that would be would be fun to compete against. Um, the Mike Trout, the Otani's, those guys, Aaron Judges of the world. Like, um, I and I would love to compete against anyone. There's nobody I'm really scared to face. Um, when I'm up on the mound, you could put anybody in the box, and I'm I'm gonna think I'm better than they are, and they're gonna have to show me that they can beat me. So. That's a good relief mentality. It is. Yeah. That you, it is 100%. And it also makes me realize just how loaded the American League is. Because I think, was that like everyone was an American League? <laughs> we were talking yeah. about like the most yeah. dangerous hitters of baseball. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's a fun. Uh, yeah. I, you know, I want to, we don't want to take too much of your time. We really appreciate having you come on. Um, I know our listeners and uh, watchers on YouTube will enjoy this one because you're a name that came up. People have been really intrigued. Uh, the the need for left-handed pitching uh, feels like it's been in this organization since I was eight and I'm in my forties. Uh, so it, it's been a need. It's something that they, we really haven't seen a lefty with your velocity come up through the system in a very long time. So I know everyone's looking forward to seeing you pitch this year. Uh, you're going to be someone people are going to be looking at Arizona at. And again, just thank you for coming on and joining us. We really appreciate that. Absolutely. I appreciate you guys having on having me on. Um, it's a lot of fun, guys. Yeah, Thanks, no, Tim. would yeah, uh love to talk to you again soon in the future. And I said we wish you well. Um we uh we uh yeah, sorry, I'm being tongue tied here. Uh we're gonna quickly we're gonna let Tim go. We're gonna quickly talk about the Owen Miller trade um after this, just because I know fans are going to be asking. And again, we wanna thank uh Tim for joining us and uh, yeah, hopefully we'll talk to you again in the future. Thanks again, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Tim. Again, we want to thank Tim Heron for joining us. Um, you know, he is that fastball slider combination is deadly. You know, the question I was thinking to ask, I didn't ask was like, did the cutter come after he joined? Um, just because that, I feel like the cutter is a pitch we're seeing appear more in the guardian system. Uh, we are going to take our, Break here at the end of a show. We are going to, uh, I'm going to apologize. I am, it's exciting when you get to talk to, uh, you know, someone you've been uh, scouting for a while. So, and it's also trying to set up the break, but we're going to take our break here on the audio. If you want to go join us on YouTube, we're going to do a quick talk about Owen Miller. Talk about that. Uh, And, but first, let's end the show. We always do again, another hundred thank you to Tim Heron and go, go guardians, go.